Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Happy Thursday. Welcome. Today is August 4th, 2016. I'm Michelle Pache, and I'm filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Timothy Hayes. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. The call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you press 1, that will put you in the queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to strengthen your practice of forgiveness. So now let's welcome Tim in support of developing our inner process of aromatic forgiveness. Thank you, Michelle. How are you today? I am doing well, thank you. I um, agreed to uh, run the switchboard about a minute ago, and I think Jeannie and Michael will soon be with us. All right, well, this is MindShifter Radio, and our theme for today is kindness. Kindness, kindness, kindness. The Dalai Lama talks about how he was asked, you know, what's more important, religion or spirituality? And he said, well, I'd rather talk about kindness and and um, how if you think in terms of water and a human being, a water, a human being needs water. And the Dalai Lama says the human being needs kindness. And so if water is like kindness to the human being, then religion is like tea to the human being. It's a nice thing to have. It might pretty up life. It might give you some different flavors, but it's not essential to life. Kindness is essential to life. Religion is not essential to life. It can provide some nice rituals and sense of community, but kindness, kindness, kindness. And kindness begins with oneself if I can't be kind to myself I I can't give away what I don't have and if I do it's just an accoutrement it's a knockoff it's a faux false it's going to crumble into dust real soon if it's not the real thing Now, how does that relate to ancient Aramaic forgiveness? Well, I don't know anything more kind that I could do, anything more loving that I could do for myself than actively applying a tool to myself that will remove any negative emotion, any negative traumatic energies, any false beliefs about myself. Because when I remove what is false, When I remove what is negative, what is left is that joy that's beyond description, that peace that passes all understanding, that energy of creation and flow and beauty and compassion that is what we're made of. So today's theme is kindness how can i be more kind to myself how can i remove from myself any thoughts any emotions any energies that are unlike kindness that are unlike love well 
in this work, the answer to that question is I can pick up a worksheet. I can pick up a reality management wake-up sheet. I can wake up to, I can recover the truth of my true nature as the energy of love. I can wake up to the truth of my true nature. And I can begin to see one incident at a time, each new moment at a time, a new resolution in each moment to remove anything that's less than my true nature of kindness and love. And that, currently the wake-up sheet has seven steps to it. That seven-step process has a power that goes beyond words, and we see it time and time and time again when we apply it to our lives. The process involves literally undoing the conditioning of thousands of years in this culture and certainly the last five or six decades in my life where my culture has taught me people, things, situations, and events outside of me are causing my pain, causing my fear, causing my sadness. It does that by recognizing that the experience I create in each moment is driven by the goals I choose in each moment. And if I have a goal for something to be different than it is in this very moment, that will generate stress. That stress might be considered the energy that my mind uses to start showing me how to make things different, how to make things start moving toward the way I want them to be. And if I set a goal for something that I don't have any control over, and I want that situation, that person, that event to change, it's going to generate a negative emotion in me. And what it will do is recruit from my past, from my mind's energy, from my body's energy system, old false beliefs, negative emotional energy patterns, and it will use that to create a picture in my mind and tell me this picture in my mind is what's causing my pain. And the picture will always be internally generated, but the process in my mind will have me so compartmentalized from it that it will make me believe the picture in my mind is about what's going on in the outside world. We have become master compartmentalizers. We are so good at compartmentalizing that we've turned it into an extreme sport and anything that's in an extreme is unproductive and is unhealthy. So here's an example of compartmentalizing that's so extreme that it's unhealthy. It's absolutely bizarre if you think about it, but if a person hasn't been introduced to the concept of how they're creating their own experience in each moment, if they haven't been introduced to the concept that if you think about the worst of the worst things that have happened in your life that are five or more years in the past, you'll probably be able to see how those events that you labeled horrible and tragic and um, miserable and devastating five years ago have directly or indirectly led to some of the best things in your life today. And if you've never been exposed to that concept, if you're not tuned into how the process of your mind creates your internal pictures that you then hallucinate are coming from outside of you, then I, I would be able to say wow, I'm in the most loving relationship right now with the most wonderful person on the planet. My life has never been better. This is phenomenal. And in the next breath, tell you about the rage I have for the woman who had the nerve to divorce me five years ago, and I didn't deserve to be treated that way, and it ruined the family. And, and in the next breath, tell you how fortunate I am to be in this current relationship and now that, in my mind, is a phenomenal example of extreme sport compartmentalization. 
it is abusive, it is hurtful, and I'm doing it in my own mind. It's my mind divided against itself. I can be there and tell you how loving and great my life is now and in the next breath be raging about this thing that happened in the past that I didn't want, and they can be directly connected. And I can be blind to the connection. I can be blind to how I'm causing my own rage. I can be blind to the observation that whatever happens in my life is happening for me rather than to me. And certainly, that's just an interpretation. And I could choose that interpretation, or I could choose the interpretation that this is horrible and it's happening to me and it's happening to me because this person's a jerk, etc. Or I could choose to take a breath when I get upset, center on myself, try to reconnect with my true nature as this energy of love and creation that you could experience anytime you hold a newborn child or you watch a little baby squirrel bouncing around outside on the ground. Breathe into that moment, reconnect with the truth of myself, and ask to be shown how the situation that's happening now is either a blessing as it is or is going to lead to some of the best things in my life in the near future. But without the ability to question that, without having been introduced to this set of observations, I will probably not be very kind to myself. Every time I get triggered to anger or fear or frustration because things aren't turning out the way I want them to, I will probably begin the antithesis of kindness. I will begin engaging in the negative emotion. I will begin engaging in the anger or the rage because I've been told that's how you get things done. You have every right to be angry at that person. You have every right to feel depressed about this. If that's what I've been conditioned to believe, if I'm not introduced to questioning it anew, if I don't understand how my mind can compartmentalize things so dramatically that I blind myself to the actual functioning of my mind-body energy system, then I'm lost. So what we're trying to do with this radio show and the teachings and the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet is introduce people to an entirely different way to first observe and then intervene in their own mind-body-energy system processing. I'm doing it to myself every time I'm angry. I'm doing it to myself every time I engage in fear or sadness or depression or grief. I'm doing it to myself every time I think I thought of vengeance. So that's what we're here to do we're here to turn that around and introduce the concept that in each new moment, it's possible for, make, for me to make a new moment's resolution to be kind to myself. And after I've taken a few deep breaths and I've been kind to myself, reconnected my conscious awareness to my true nature is love, then if I've been exposed to them, and here on this radio show we're promoting them and we're giving it away free, I can choose to pick up a tool like the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet and apply it to what's going on in my mind-body-energy system in this very moment when I'm feeling uncomfortable or sad, angry or frustrated or scared, and Situation by situation, thought by thought, emotional energy clump by emotional energy clump, practice kindness, remove what doesn't belong, and restore myself to awareness of my true nature. And then the next thing to do is take another breath and extend that true nature to every interaction with everyone and everything around me. That's what we're here to help people do. I'll take a breath, ask if there are questions or comments or anybody with a hand up. Or Michael or Jeannie are back. Um, <clears throat> no hands up right now, and not seeing Michael's number. Um, Jeannie's in the middle of a um, conversation uh, on the phone, handling some business, and so she'll be here. But I don't see Michael's number, so if he is there, maybe he should press one. But doesn't look like it yet. So we have plenty of time. The call-in number is 646-200-4169.
We have 45 minutes of show time left. Let's have your two cents about kindness, about applying kindness first to yourself and then extending it to everyone and everything in your world or anything else that somebody might have on their mind if they've been applying these tools and and or succeeding or not succeeding. Let us hear from you. Let us help you, support you in applying this tool and in first and foremost being kind to yourself I had a business networking meeting this morning and I had to stand up and tell people what I do as a psychologist and I have a minute to do it. And what what came to me to say this morning was influenced by life events over the past couple of days and and I found myself saying, you know, this month I have finished 42 years of doing therapy in various forms and my parents raised me in such a way that I have always been curious, and so I've been investigating tools and approaches for 42 years, a variety of tools and approaches. And what I told people this morning in the in the networking group is that the tools I teach are phenomenally powerful, and yet they're just like any other tool you buy. If I buy a tool and leave it in the garage and it just gathers dust, it's not going to fix anything. The tools I have, no matter how powerful they are, only demonstrate their power when they're put to work. So I can talk about the reality management wake-up sheet. I can talk about EFT tapping. I can talk about kindness. I can talk about the neuroemotional technique. And if I don't practice them in my life, they can't fix anything in my life. They can't aid me or support me. So we're here to talk to people about supporting them in um, what David Hayes used to say, putting the pen to the paper. Talking about the process is um, as useful as playing a game of bridge. might be a nice distraction, nice activity to engage in socially, Change only happens when I apply the tool to myself. So 646-200-4169, press 1. Michelle will know you've got a question or a comment, and um, let us know how we can support you. Is there anybody in the chat room, Michelle, or are you there alone today? Mm. Well, I um, keep... Uh, getting bumped out. I don't know if you um, logged in or if it was Jeannie, but um, it doesn't always want to have two Earth Angels on there. Okay, so. um, Here here we go. Let's see. It's area code 808. You're on the air. Um, Is it Shelly? No, this is Roma Carlisle in Hawaii. Oh, my apologies, Roma. How are you? What well, time is I'm it? good. Good afternoon. It's morning here. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. And Dr. Tim, I can't think of a better of a better theme than kindness. Sometimes when it occurs, it surprises me. When it's coming out, <laughs> you know, when I'm expressing kindness but um it always feels so so good and life supporting and are you are you expressing that first and foremost towards yourself most often i think so yeah um i uh, i'm older than many people <laughs> So that's one of the lessons that I've learned is to stop making demands of myself and allow myself to be the way I actually am and and be kind to myself and loving to myself and yeah, I've gotten better at it. And uh yeah. 
Um, you used a metaphor in the very beginning when you were first introducing kindness as the topic, and you said uh, religion and you said which is better, religion or spirituality? And then you compared religion to tea, and the I didn't get down the word that you used for kindness. Well, th- can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, um, this is from the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama frequently talks about it because he's asked this quite quite often. And he says, um, compare religion to tea and kindness to water. Human beings oh, water, can't live without right. water, and right. they can't live without kindness. Right. They yeah. enjoy tea, and they enjoy oh, religion, no. and they might, you know, put some nice window dressing on life, it's not essential to life. Right. And Dalai Lama's uh, pronunciations about this, kindness is at the core of human life. And I like it, I like sharing it because it is so in line with what Michael likes to say here. You want to know our definition of human life? Hold a newborn child or remember a time when you did. Well, he goes on then to say at another point, you know, if you're trying to figure out, should you say or do a certain thing, run through your mind and ask, would or could a newborn infant do what I'm about to do? And so kindness, newborn infant, loving, gentle. So that's why and I would water. move to bring that in today. And water, water. Essential. I mean, water being the essential element, I mean, it's no accident the astronomers look for when they're looking for a planet that might that might have life on it, they're looking for water usually. They're looking to exactly. see whether that planet has water on it. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I'm so very fortunate. So did that stir up any other any other brain cells for you or Uh, well, I I had an experience yesterday where it just I I offered something to someone who I love dearly and who is in need and and just literally as the energy came out of my mouth as I was speaking the words I could liter it was a tangible feeling of kindness and uh, as I said earlier it was it was really kind of surprising um because it was extreme <laughs> oh gosh Extreme kindness? Yeah, actually financial kindness, you know. I mean, that's sort of, that's where the rubber hits the road (laughs) is with money in most people's lives, I think. Yeah. That seems to be the place that we we wall ourselves off, you know. Um, People are sort of paranoid they don't want anybody to know what their resources are you know what i mean uh it's a it's it's um, the domain in which this it's one of the domains in which the illusion of separation is very distinctly drawn most of the time well it's that's one, of course, th- there's this thing about how that's fed, the illusion of separation is fed, and I think it grows most in the negative emotional realms. And so um, Michael talks at different times about how one of the worst things we've ever bought into is the concept that we're not creators, that we're victims of our circumstance and our lives. And and um, the, the whole idea that we're supposed to be sad, we're supposed to be angry, we're supposed to have this amount of grief when somebody passes, we're supposed to be this enraged when somebody rips us off for $20 and this much more enraged when it's 20000 etc. That whole process feeds that illusion of separation and has the us-against-them mentality running at a fevered pitch. Yeah. And so I watched that. I, go ahead. Well, I watched that film that was recommended that Michael mentioned, Beyond Belief. 
about the two widows from 9-11 going through a fundraising process. And then I think it was 2004 that they actually went to Afghanistan and and were uh, providing uh, uh, chickens as source for not only food but also income for these uh, widowed women. And the amount of love and kindness that uh, that you see in that film is, you know, as as was mentioned on this radio program before, is is really deeply, deeply moving. I don't know. Maybe that opened a floodgate in me or something. Oh my goodness! Yeah. But interesting that you open, would choose kindness the as a theme for today. Yeah, but open the floodgates to let out what's always been there. Yeah, well, the that, the real activity of giving, of giving. Yeah, to know. let out what's always yeah. been there. Right, and it is an instinct, I think. But you know, the world believes in scarcity. There's not enough, which of course is a huge lie. There's way more than enough. I mean, there's infinite enough. Um, and even the word enough, you know, implies a, some kind of a limitation or a cap or, okay, now the bottle's full. And, you know, the flow is infinite and eternal. And and I think God or the Spirit gives through us. I mean, we are, you know, as... Mary said, "The handmaidens, or the, I don't know, I don't know how you would um, <laughs> find. I don't know what the male equivalent of handmaiden, but you know." Well, let's, let's take it out of male or female, and let's just say we are the extension of love in form. Nice, thank you. We are yeah. we are the effect of God's love, and we're here to love each other. Right, right. Well, you know, I was I'm, quoting. I'm I'm paraphrasing that from a Way of Mastery. Hmm. Who is the author of Way of Mastery? Well, it was ostensibly channeled by a gentleman from 1994 to 97, and the author mm-hmm. is ostensibly the same author as the author of A Course in Miracles. So that same oh. energy, that same consciousness, the Christ consciousness, came through in the mid-60s, and then it came through again from 94 to 97. Oh, and, and, and Way of uh, Mastery was 94 to 97? Yes. Uh-huh. And you can get that book at shantichristo.com, S-H-A-N-T-I-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.com. And my experience has been... <clears throat> That yes, you can get it on Amazon, but it's quite a bit more expensive than if you go to the Shanty Crystal website. Oh, interesting. Well, I glean that you use many different tools, tapping being one of them. And I've had a, a, a friend for a number of years who has received a lot of benefit from tapping, but uh, somehow it always appears to me that it's a way of, of, um, of re- obviously it's a way of redirecting the actual flow of energy in the body, but it, uh, it, it appears to me, and maybe it's as judgmental on my part, it appears to me that it doesn't remove the root of, of, of the seeds that, uh, of the, um, of what triggers people, the the root. What would you say well, about that? My, since I know you, my comment about that would be simply be, um, it's a tool, mm-hmm. and you can put a tool like a hammer in the hand <clears throat> of a preteen who has never picked up a tool before, mm-hmm. and you're going to get one result. Mm-hmm. Or you can put the hammer in the hands of a master carpenter or a master sculptor and get a completely different result. Uh-huh. So you. So think I think it's that... entirely possible, 
I think yeah. it's entirely possible for people to remove the root causes of their anger, fear, sadness, hurt, upset, traumatic energies, etc., if they know what they're doing and they're using the appropriate tools. Tear tapping? Take a breath. Try and hear what I'm saying. I well, if they're using the appropriate tools, I heard you say that. Right. And right. you know, and, but, but I, I, but I don't know the, of a tool bigger, that's more appropriate than the worksheet. The the bigger picture of what I'm saying is if mm. they know what they're doing, how the energy system works, mm-hmm. and they're willing to apply the appropriate tool. Now, tapping is a wonderful tool, and in the hands of somebody who's thoroughly experienced with dealing with trauma, mm-hmm. tapping can be one of the most effective trauma reduction tools known. I'm Ever since I learned the tapping, I had already been exposed to Michael's work, I've Mm -hmm. used them in concert. And Mm -hmm. the depth, the richness, the understanding of the functioning, the connection of cause and effect, the inseparable flow of cause and effect that's built into the ancient Aramaic tool of forgiveness and Michael's work and what's all through A Course in Miracles and Way of Mastery, that deep understanding is a necessary prerequisite, in my opinion, for me to resolve negative emotions, traumas, etc. at their root. I agree. I agree. In combination with that understanding, there Mm -hmm. are a whole host of tools that can facilitate that for me at different rates, at more quickly if I like this technique over that technique, and tapping is one of those many. Yeah. Well, uh, some of the uh, sometimes I try to introduce the worksheet to people, and for uh, for a lot of different people, it's too intellectual. They don't want to get into their minds. And this particular friend of mine who does the tapping, uh, he's Dutch, and somehow I. Who I turn I I I emailed him the about the um, the connection to the Dutch translation of why is this happening to me again, and I'm really curious to see what his reaction will be whether he can because he doesn't speak English well enough to be able to tolerate a piece of paper with lots and lots of words on it in English. And I am curious to see whether reading the the uh, the wake up sheet in Dutch uh, will um, uh, ignite uh, an interest in him. Um, and the, he is the person that I have watched over and over again resort to tapping without ever acknowledging, at least to me, and we've been about as close as people can be. Uh, what it was that triggered him. He just taps. <clears throat> and I, uh, you know, I, that's that's where I got that impression about tapping. Well, I, I, I'll just say that the, when I hear people say that the worksheet is too intellectual for them, mm-hmm. I, I, I have the understanding in that moment that they don't understand the worksheet because the core of the worksheet process is to put the conscious logical mind on the shelf and ask to be shown from some higher source what's hidden in the unconscious and the emotional belief system in my mind that's creating right. my pain in them. So yeah. it's and to go to deeper, of the worksheet deeper process, levels of, of the emotions that we have been in denial about. I mean, that... That works for me, uh, but I don't think it works for everybody necessarily. I would have to agree, and I keep trying to remind people that I work with, these are just tools. If you don't like these tools, if they seem too complex for you, pick up another set of tools because the process is accessible 
and life can get better and better ad infinitum if a person is willing to own what they're doing to create their experience of life in each moment and then apply tools to that process of creation, life can get better and better and better from any starting point. Yeah, once we really have the deep realization that our own subconscious internal programming is projecting out into the world and creating uh, and appearing to create experiences that are that are upsetting well, it is for us. creating our experience. Yeah, it is creating our experience of life, and it may appear to us that that's being caused by outside circumstances and it's beyond our control. Right. But it is being right. my experience of life, moment to moment, is created by my choice of the focus of my conscious awareness in each moment. I was talking about this to my acupuncturist, and he told me about the reticular activating system, of the, the portion, that part of the brain. That, and that's essentially what we're talking about, the fact that the brain has that capacity to uh, project and once we get to the core of it, inside, internally, what a relief. What a relief. Well, I would agree that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Mine, too. Very grateful. Very grateful. I, I Sometimes I'm in awe. I taught the Course in Miracles in my church. I didn't teach it, but facilitated it. I mean, you know, was the source of why we were doing it. And it never ceases to amaze me the genius that Michael has to be able to go deep into the Course in Miracles and pull uh, the truth out of it, uh, the truth of... um, I don't even know how to speak it into words. But I've always been uh, pretty much in awe of that. So thank God for thank God for the geniuses that walk the planet. (laughs) I would echo that sentiment. Mm -hmm. And I would then add to it gratitude for every person who picks up the tools the geniuses have discovered and applies it to their individual lives because that's what's making this world a better place moment to moment. And that brings about the critical mass. Yeah. All right. Anything else we can do to support you? I I don't think so. I just am here to support you, so we'll let go and see who else wants to say something. All right. Thanks for the call. Have a lovely day. You too. So the area code is 646. The number is 200-4169. If you press 1, Michelle will see that in the switchboard if Michelle is still there, and she will announce your area code, and you'll be gracing us with your thoughts. Michelle, do we have anybody in the chat room or anybody on the switchboard with a hand up? Or have we heard from Michael and Jeannie yet? Um, negative on all fronts. No hands up. Negative no on every front. Yeah. Well, it's just space into- love for Michael and Jeannie that uh, all is going well there. And uh, I heard you say something, Michelle. What's up? Um, I was going to ask you what you think the difference between kindness and gentleness so I thought you were going to say somebody had a hand up Um, what I would say about the difference between kindness and gentleness um, I think kindness is fuller and deeper and richer and has to do with actually 
incorporating gentleness, um, I think I can be gentle and kind. I think it's a kindness for me to point out to somebody when they're way off the mark. They may not feel that as kindness or as being gentle. If I'm doing for my children what I know is in their best interests, even though they're screaming and saying they don't want me to do it, it might be a kindness, and they may experience it as not very gentle. I would I would put gentleness as one of those flavoring aspects that I could use for a number of different things. So I can let somebody down gently. I can be soft in my approach. But if I'm saying something that's dishonest in my soft, gentle manner, that's not a kindness. I think there's this this blending of deep honesty with kindness. And if it's done with gentleness, that's just another flavoring that could be added. So I would play with the words that way for meaning. And again, it's just what's resonating in my brain. That doesn't mean that that's what this word means. This word only has meaning as it resonates different brain cells and different experiences in the people that hear it. That would be my input. Okay, that, that seems fair. Um, I asked because when Roma was started um, or mentioning the Course in Miracles, I um, looked on my screen and I have a tab that I always keep open and it's from the uh, Manual for Teachers, one of the um, sub books of the Course in Miracles series. And the attributes that they list, it, it's um, a section called What Are the Characteristics of God's Teachers? And um, when you were first talking about how um, vital kindness is to our human life, I I was like, oh, maybe kindness is on that list that I keep up. And then I went to go look through it, and there isn't anything about kindness. And, and to me, like, the closest thing was gentleness. And I can um, just refresh your memory and, and for people um to understand what I'm talking about, the you know, Michael will say we teach what we need to learn, and I think you know, um, students and teachers are kind of often interchangeable in, in relationship to we really don't know what's going on here all all the way. So um, the the characteristics of God's teachers are listed in the Course of Miracles as number one, uh, trust. Um, and then, you know, it goes to speak about how do you develop trust. The second one is honesty. The third one is tolerance. The fourth one is gentleness. The fifth one is joy. The sixth one is defenselessness. Seventh is generosity. Eighth is patience. Nine is faithfulness. And ten is open-mindedness. So I um, just kind of, you know, sometimes like to play things in my mind and words and concepts and how pieces fit together. All right, then. Oh, we got to put the hands up here. So let me see here. I uh, was on a different page. So... We have um, area code 901. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Hi, yeah, this is Brenda. Um, Hello, Brenda. Brenda Hello. I'm actually up at Heartland right now. So you all were wondering how things were going, and they're going great. Um, we're doing a lot of cleaning and then doing the Course of Miracles in the evening, which is, uh, is very informative and good. But my call today was I'd like to ask for the loving support of everybody who's in hearing distance for my son. Um, He experienced a TIA yesterday, and um, he's gone to the hospital. They've done all the tests and everything, and they said it has resolved itself. So it looks like everything's going to be 
all right. But if uh, everyone would just keep him in your loving thoughts and support the uh, healing of whatever was not uh, functioning properly, I'd appreciate that. And then moving on to the next thing is that when I found out about it, I didn't find out until the next day that he had been in the hospital. And so I'm not a person that really reacts um, uh, emotionally when things happen. I'll check it out and find out. But about six, eight hours after I found out about it, the gremlin started jumping into my mind. And I started feeling this abandonment and this anger and rage that nobody had called me yesterday and told me what was happening. And I thought, okay, I can understand why my son didn't want to worry me and his wife wouldn't want to worry me. But my mother-in-law, who is a, or my, anyway, yeah, his mother-in-law, who is a nurse practitioner, and I thought, how could a mother not call another mother and tell them what's going on? And so I was processing that in my mind and everything as I'm scrubbing floors and things here. And so I thought, you know, I just need to call her. So I called her and asked her to call me back. And she did. And I said, you know, I just don't understand why you would not have called me. You know, you as a mother, I feel that... Um, it it was just completely um, unthoughtful of me as a part of the family that I'm just not part of the family, and so I just get ignored. You know, and we went down that that road and everything. So she said, and I said, in the future, please, you know, call me. And she said, okay. And of course, that was a reaction when you jump on somebody that they you might expect. And so in wanting to salvage the call, I said, well, am I out of line? I said, is this, should I have, you know, is my reaction to not having been called not a normal reaction? And she said to me, she said, I would not have wanted to know because I would have jumped in the car even if I was in California and driven across the entire United States to get there even if there was nothing I can do. And I said, well, you know, i that's not my reaction. I would have called you and the nurse practitioner and or talked to you and said, is there anything I need to do and do I need to come? And she would have said, no. What was very interesting about this is I jumped to a conclusion. They were trying to be considerate of me and not take me away from my six weeks here at Heartland, which they knew was very important to me, and they knew there was nothing I could do. But yet my ego mind jumped into that abandonment, grief, uh, um, rejection, being left out type of thing. And so I just wanted to offer that story because I will be doing worksheets on my issue of it. We ended the phone call, um, you know, just very lovingly, and she agreed in the future she would call she would call me. So I wanted to toss that out and get any comments that you might have on the miscommunicate you know, on the fact that many times people think that they're being um considerate where our ego minds Well, will so not. so Brenda, if you're asking for uh feedback and I think I just heard you do that, let me cut you off while there's yes. still some time to respond and say Yes. Um it, it, it's it's all insanity. Right. It's all craziness. It's all uh, soap opera drama. Every time I get right. upset about anything anybody else ever says or does, it's all smoke and mirrors. I'm never going to be upset about that unless I'm judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar thing. Wow. So the first thing to do is look at the words you were using about the, all the conclusions you jumped to. And look yeah. at how in the conversation you wanted her to validate your position. Yeah. Well, in this work, I understand that if I'm upset, I can get a thousand people to agree with me and validate my position, and that won't remove any wit, not the first little grain of sand about my upset. 
So the more I practice this work, the more my key focus is on my internal process every moment of every day. In each new moment, I make a resolution to stay focused on myself, and whenever I start to think a thought that's not loving, feel an emotion that's not loving, I call a timeout, I make my home in the breath, I breathe into that breathing unity, I recognize it's not me keeping my heart pumping. I know there's a higher energy going on here, and I ask it for guidance. When I do that more consistently, I interrupt the process long before I make a call to complain to someone about what they did. And if I do that enough before I make the call, I only have the interaction that you talk about at the very end of that call where I'm calling to reconnect with love, to love, from love, for love. That would be my input. Yeah, I also liked your point, which um, I had not, you know, the other items I'm aware of, but I didn't put them in practice initially. Um, the point that you made for me now to look in my worksheets I'll be doing is where have I done this to somebody else? Where have I done what I was uh, thinking they were doing to me to somebody else? Where have I, you know, not been considerate? And so that that's a very good point. I'm glad that you um, you triggered that uh, thought for me. Well, it's it's. I'm glad that. that that you're finding it useful, and remember, it's a, a core piece of Michael's work, and it's found in the codependent to interdependence worksheet. Right. It's there. This is just a slight adaptation of the very same principle. So right. that would be my input. And okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Well, Thank you for the call. Your, keep your, my son in your uh, loving thoughts. I'd appreciate it. Will do. Thank you. All right, his name is Christopher. Bye-bye. All right, Michelle, do we have anybody else with a hand up? Actually, I gave Michelle the green light. She needed to step out, and we've got Michael with us. But, no, there's no other hands up. Yes, and, and Christopher certainly is being held in light. And the one the one thought I would add to what you were saying there, Tim, is that that reconnection to love and, you know, the breath and, and all, sometimes we have to do that 10 times a minute <laughs> to, to, to remind ourselves because we've been told so long and we've been modeled so much in the world that the focus is all out there. So right on track, right on track. Well, things are rocking along here at Heartland. Jeannie and I were out uh, getting errands done, getting food, getting some things taken care of. And uh, that's why uh, thank you, Tim, once again for jumping in on the switchboard and just uh, getting all the pieces put together for the intensive season is uh, an interesting challenge. And Michelle. And thank you, Michelle, for jumping in there and uh, being available at the last minute. Both of you are such uh, such a gift to us and to this work and to everybody in the community. Fabulous. Well, you're welcome and deserving. What's the news from Heartland? Well, the news is that everything's in great shape. We've got a few more things to take care of. Actually, the Heart Center was closed down for two years. Last year, we had a small group, so we did it in one of the other buildings. And so it's been a major clean and go through the Heart Center, and there's still a couple of uh, minor repairs to be done. New kitchen floor, which is looking awesome, we think. Uh, uh, Dusty for his... uh, his work there and uh, Michael for his work last year on helping to put that together. So it's just, you know, uh, one piece at a time, Tim, just what can we do? What resources do we have to handle what needs to be handled? And each year, you know, we look at, well, how much money do we have? What materials do we have? What labor do we have? And that's what we do. So we're doing it. (laughs) And uh, Jeannie and I, Jeannie actually in particular has just been running. Ari was, uh, uh, a couple of days uh, off and getting here. He had some things to handle in Chicago, so Ginny was down there putting the kitchen together and doing food. And so Ari's here, and uh, our food last night was a Japanese eggplant dish for dinner. That was just awesome. 
and a huge salad, and we're we're rocking. Glad we are it. rocking. Yeah, yeah. And we've it had several uh, had several guests from the local community showed up the first night that we did the Y workshop. And we're actually, tonight will be the third night doing the Y workshop, and we're not halfway through it yet. But they keep coming, so that's really good. Yeah, we're, step, we're, we're heading into uh, step uh, two, the second half of step two in the worksheet tonight. So so we've, we're moving right along. <laughs> I've actually, I remember one intensive, one Y is just happening to me again intensive, and it took seven days to get through the Y workshop. So it's a process. It's uh, you know the whole body of the work is contained in that, and so sometimes it just expands right out on the spot. And and here we are with uh, with the principles once again. And it's uh, for me is always refreshing when I get to teach it again because I get to uh, to have another level of insight into this awesome set of tools that Yeshua created 2,000 years ago that we're still learning to decode and, and put to work. So it's pretty uh, pretty amazing. Anything exciting in your world to uh, to share today? We're down to uh, about four minutes. So I don't know, Jeannie, do we have any other callers? No, there are no other hands up. Well, uh, the theme for today has been kindness. And um, hmm. that was prompted by uh, the theme that's been going on and what's needed in, in the people I've been dealing with in my practice. And I talked about kindness having to begin with me because I can't give away something I don't possess, which is a core part of the worksheet. And so um, it's... You know, I just have to strongly encourage each and every one of us to begin right in our own heart center and actively work to remove anything that's less than that loving, gentle, kind, compassionate energy. Well, uh, you you bring to mind William James, who back around 1900 or so is considered to be the uh, the father of modern psychology, and and he says there are three things that are important in life, and he says the first one is kindness, and the second one is kindness, and the third one is kindness. You know, it's pretty good emphasis. <laughs> he hit that nail on the head. Yeah, we talked about how the Dalai Lama compares kindness to water and religion to tea and says, you know, the human being can survive without tea but can't survive without water. Right. And uh, the human being can't survive without kindness but can survive without religion. So... Let's move forward. So we all need it. Cool. We all need it. And and you you are the source of the most profound, deep, beautiful, healing kindness you'll ever experience. That's, that's my message for people. You are the source mm-hmm. of that kindness. It's within you. Absolutely. Especially when we're willing to give it away. There's another, I think it's from the Course in Miracles, or, but it only becomes yours when you give it away. You keep it hidden in a box, it's not really yours whether it's the active presence of love, the kindness that flows from it. And so the last minute or so, I'll just say that if anybody's ready to uh, take their work to the next level, uh, Jeannie in September is going to be doing a a four-day women's retreat up in near uh, Lansing, uh, Michigan, and there's still some spaces available in that. We've got a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again intensive. If somebody's ready to do that, we do the whole whole series. We do Why Is This Happening to Me Again, Healing Through Relationships, Communication, Did You Hear What I Think I Said, Purpose, Personal Power and Commitment, Empowered to Heal, Hands-On Energy Field Work, and Still Point Breathing all done in a process format with awesome fresh and raw food. And that will start on August the 14th through the 22nd. And uh, if anybody wants to come and play, the cost for that, everything, food, accommodations, workshop, workshop materials, everything is 1575 
Then we'll be doing a three-day personal code evaluation training for people who want to teach this work and who want to uh, work with folks to uh, pinpoint where their issues are and how to support them. That will happen August 25th, 6th, and 7th. And then on August the 29th, we'll get a day off in there. And then on August the 29th through the 13th of September, we'll do a 16-day Laws of Living. And I... Okay. 